0: <laughs> so you were born in, is it Hickory or like Eden in North Carolina?
1: Yeah, I was born in Eden in North Carolina, but I don't remember it. I think my parents moved out of there to a little town outside of Winston-Salem and when I was one or two, and then we moved to Hickory where I grew up.
0: Are they from North Carolina?
1: Yeah, yeah, both my parents So are from all North your Carolina. family,
0: like all the family base is there?
1: Yeah, the family base is there. And
0: there are, so you have, you're from like a really musician family right your grandpa was in like a was a country band
1: yeah he still is oh my he, gosh, yeah so he cool. plays every saturday night <laughs> he still plays. yeah he, pl- so cool. uh, he plays at the hillbilly hideaway outside <laughs> of uh winston-salem north carolina it's the coolest thing like you basically you go and you get a meal like a family style meal and then with uh when you pay for your meal you basically get a free concert so you go down to the barn. Uh, down beside the restaurant, and you get a free show. My grandpa plays uh, the pedal steel, and he's the leader of the band now. So oh, he's wow. always having to find new singers and drummers and stuff uh, whenever people can't play on that Saturday. So it keeps him really busy.
0: <laughs> and your parents, they're both musicians too.
1: Uh, not so much. I mean, <laughs> my dad plays like, oh, like you some different have, like, a instruments. Bagpipe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was a bad mistake. <laughs> he played it too much. <laughs> kind of like a, a, pra- a practicing a beginner's uh, bagpipe kind of thing, which is just the pipe, so you, like, learn how to play the notes. God, that thing was so annoying. <laughs> it was insane. Well, my mom, um, I grew up with a baby grand in the house, a baby grand piano, and my, it was my mom's. Uh, she still has it. Uh, she got it from her father. Uh, My grandfather, before he passed away, when she Mm -hmm. was like 18, I think. And um, so, yeah, I had that growing up in the house, and I just wouldn't, I didn't really have formal lessons, but, you know, my parents were always listening to music, and I was always listening to the radio, and they let me watch MTV when I was little, and I was just obsessed with music, so I would go to the piano and try to replay whatever I heard. I would like learn it by ear, even if I played like a bastardized version of it, it was still like, you know, I was ear training and I didn't even know it.
0: Didn't you write a song about your baby sister? A (laughs) babysitter. Babysitter.
1: That was the first song that I ever wrote. (laughs) I'm not going to sing it for you.
0: (laughs) So what were your parents' careers then?
1: Uh... My father was and still is a uh, CFO uh, for the furniture industry. And my mom was a teacher back in the day. Um, yeah, so she's taught a lot of different uh, subjects, but mostly like computers and career-oriented kind of stuff, but <laughs> in technology. You
0: he called herself more like a hippie family, though, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. In
0: what way? I mean, they're they're like...
1: Like corporate hippies, <laughs> like my dad will wear a suit and tie and go to go to his you know day job, and then come home and throw on a tie-dye shirt and listen to you know like Moody Blues or something, or like Doobie Brothers, <laughs> <laughs> or like Crosby, Stills and Nash. And um, I mean, I was conceived at a music festival.
0: What? Yeah.
1: <laughs> So, if that if that is any testament to my parents' hippiness, there it is.
0: Right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got into music because your mom like gave you the hand-me-down laptop.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She. So my parents would always have from uh, early on, like in the '90s, they would get a home computer, and um, whenever they would upgrade, they would give me their older one, and I would just. Learn how to make music however I could with it from anything from whatever software came with the computer to finding free software online and just doing what I could do with it.
0: You were in a lot of bands, like jazz band, marching band, yeah, in school. You also did the what was it like your football team's like song with all the instruments,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was in a bunch of different bands, uh, high school related, like in the marching band and the jazz band concert band and then I was in some uh, ensembles outside of high school at our local university had a percussion program so I was in the percussion ensemble African ensemble steel drum ensemble some others but yeah I ended up writing um, you know how when the marching band goes out into the field Mm -hmm. and the drum line's like playing like a beat for them to (laughs) march to to go into the field Those are called cadences and Mm -hmm. I wrote a couple of the cadences (laughs) on my computer. Like I would have the bass drum part, the uh, quads and the snare and everything like in their own channels. And then I would, I wasn't really that good at notating it. So I gave it to our drum instructor and he wrote it all out. It was, it was so cool. It was like my first real experience at seeing other people, you know, perform or, uh, or just react to my, to something I wrote in general.
0: Were you known in school as, like, the musician? Or how, how did you I, describe yourself back then?
1: I I guess I was because I I just thought that I was, like, the weird music kid. And I didn't really realize how much respect I had from my peers until oh. my senior year when I got voted Um most talented superlative. <laughs> and I was cool. like, "Oh my god, it, it meant so much to me." I and I had no idea that you know, so many of uh this the kids that I grew up with like respected me like that. So it was it was really nice. And you know, I ended up putting out my first album when I was 18.
0: Oh. Wow. And
1: um so it was the last half of my senior year. And so to just be able to like bring a CD you know cuz back then it was like if you had a CD it was so cool like i you know we'd bring a CD to class to show people and they were freaking out and yeah that that kind of changed a lot for me cuz i i grew up you know um being a bit of a manic depressive and mm-hmm. you know there i had a lot of issues with depression and anxiety and panic attacks you know my parents tried different medication and it wasn't really working for the most part And then, you know, when I found this acceptance through music and especially through people like my peers that I didn't necessarily meet eye to eye with um, with my music tastes to find that validation through them just meant everything Mm. and gave me like fuel from a very early age to like do whatever I wanted, Mm. you know, made me feel like I was on the right path.
0: Yeah, it's really good.
1: That coupled with the support of my parents was just, you know, uh, it's invaluable.
0: Mm-hmm. And you were listening to, what is it called, like Wax Tracks back then?
1: I was listening to some stuff on Wax Tracks, like KMFDM, Front 242. I was listening to a lot of like industrial music, like uh, Frontline Assembly and Skinny Puppy, um, Knitzer Ebb, Ministry. I loved ministry still do. I still listen to a lot of that stuff.
0: But th- were your peers making this type of music or were you were kind no. of like talking to people online through what's called IRC? Yeah, chat?
1: yeah. So I um, I spent most of my time finding out about music.
0: <laughs> I was like a little kid on a scooter. <laughs>
1: uh, I found out about uh, most of the music that I got into online and it was at t- I mean, I know that doesn't sound like a new concept now, but back in the day, you know, when there's dial-up modems and no real concept of social media to you know, you had to dig a bit deeper to, to find out about music. So I forget how I found out about IRC, but I think I you know, it was in the day of chat rooms and I think I was over finding you know, other people that were into the same kind of music on AOL or whatever. Yeah. So I think I just ended up doing some sort of web search for chat rooms or something like that, and then IRC came up, and, yeah, it, it led to a lot. It ended up leading me to my first album deal. Um, through, oh, wow. Yeah, because I was friends with um, Gabe from Merck Records, who put out uh, my first I don't know like five or six albums
0: how, how old were you when the first one happened 18 oh yeah, back, that one.
1: yeah. so it was it was really cool and you know uh, it was through him and a lot of his friends and different people that I met like that were all sort of connected in that same circle that I found out about so much music and you know it was it was such a an amazing time for me and I've, it, it, I, it was unfortunate that I couldn't share a lot of that with my friends. I had some friends that I could, you know, share the music I was getting into with but for the most part they didn't get it. Like the closest that I could relate with music with friends was like Nine Inch Nails, mm. Daft Punk, maybe Aphex Swin but not even, that was even too extreme for a lot of people Um, so mostly, like, anytime I made music with friends, it was rock. And I would play guitar or play keys, and we would cover stuff like Smashing Pumpkins or Weezer or, like, Hum or a bunch of different 90s alternative (laughs) (laughs) Nirvana.
0: Was your first moniker machine drum?
1: No. Um, I had a few that I was using, and then I had... This one called Syndrome, that was actually my first album was put out under that name. Uh, it was more of a like straight IDM kind of thing, which is like pretentious genre name. But you know, it was it was what I was into at the time. Just doing weird, non-repetitive beats, stuff that wasn't, you know, just stuff that was a bit more outside of the box, a bit more experimental. But uh, the machine drum name I was playing around with at the time with uh, kind of drum and bass stuff that I was working on and like breakcore and like j- jungle inspired stuff. And then I kind of made this shift to an exploration of the relationship between drum and bass and hip hop and that's when a light bulb kind of went off for me. Mm-hmm. and and made me want to seriously focus on making a Machine Drum album uh, which Merck Records ended up putting out as well and uh, yeah that ended up getting such a good uh, response from everyone that I just kept pursuing it and then the project just got more and more diverse to the point where now I feel like I could put out a machine drum record and it can sound however I want it to even if I may lose some people I'm like at this point like 10 albums deep I'm already used to losing some people with albums because you know people have their own ideas of like what they want you to sound like and I'm just gonna give them whatever I'm feeling at the moment
0: yeah so was it called like make it one two one of the
1: one two one two one
0: two one two one two yeah that one you were trying to be more like pop leaning with it yeah. right, and it was kind of not like what you expected in the end
1: well, I think um I think I was maybe I spent too long on it, I think was the the reality of it all um you know it was it was an experimental phase for me, you know, trying to make pop music that I was into um some, something that would bridge the gap between the world I was coming from and this whole other you know radio world um, you know I was working with artists like Theopolis London Jesse Borkins III Mellow X Mickey Fax like this whole like amazing crew out of New York and uh, you know even if that album wasn't as successful as it could be could have been uh, I developed relationships with these different artists that are they're still valuable to me you know I still work with uh, Jesse Boykins III all the time Like we were, we're super close he was at my wedding he, um, you know Mellow X is super tight like I, I just you know I learned so much about what it is to be a producer through these guys and especially Theophilus London like we spent so much time just like growing as musicians together and uh, learning what it was to have that dynamic between a producer and an artist and you know like how that was how we define that and how other people define that and I, I don't know I just like learned so much through the whole process.
0: Did you go to a Full Sail in Florida? Mm-hmm. Was that so that was your so after you finished Hustle Wednesday to Florida?
1: Yeah. Uh, no. After I finished high school, I stuck around in North Carolina for a bit and saved up some money. Worked at like a coffee shop and had a data entry job. And because I I wanted to go to full sail, but it was just so expensive. Mm. And my parents, you know, I don't come from a lot of money or anything. So they basically told me if I could meet them halfway uh, with the tuition, that they would uh, let me go there. So. So it wasn't immediate, but yeah, maybe a few years after high school.
0: What kind of clicked to you to go? Because people were already catching on and like finding your music, right? Like, could you have like just not gone to college or?
1: I could have. It was at an interesting time because, you know, I wasn't necessarily making money from what I was doing. I was making a little bit, but, and playing some shows, but it wasn't at a time like now where electronic music has this acceptance oh, yeah. in the U.S. and across the world, but specifically the U.S. Like back in the late 90s and early 2000s, it was really just, yeah, like electronic music just didn't have that understanding that it does now and the acceptance. And I think that things may have been a lot different for me uh, if the environment was like it is now uh I think I may have experienced a bit more early success but either way I ended up going to full sail as sort of a backup plan of sorts but that was related to what I was into and at the end of the day I I did end up learning a lot there Mm -hmm. I I it made me get a lot more serious about what I was doing and understand the um the ins and outs of working in a studio, which I had no idea what I was doing. If if I'd gone from what I knew in high school straight into a studio, I would've not known what I was doing at all. Mm. So it was nice having that hands-on experience at school, for sure. But by the time, I actually ended up having to take time off from school because I uh, had a tour in Australia and in Japan. (laughs) And it was my first time uh, in Australia at the time. Uh, And so I had to like talk to the dean of the school because they had a really strict attendance policy where Mm -hmm. if you miss a certain amount of classes, even like two classes you would have to pay for that course again oh, wow. yeah so it was pretty serious <laughs> yeah and uh so I had to talk to the dean to like explain I like brought my cds and vinyl <laughs> and, like to show him that I was like really serious about what I was doing and that it wasn't just like some random you know thing that was going on and but uh yeah he was chill chill about it
0: And then right after you graduated, you went straight to New York, and that's how you met everyone, or...?
1: I didn't go straight there. I ended up sticking around in Orlando a bit longer because I I made some solid friends there. Some friends that I'm still uh, friends with today and still collaborating with today. I really got to deeply explore the sort of experimental side uh, of myself when I was there. You know, I had a lot of friends that were in, in like different noise bands and indie bands and electronic kind of things and you know, every, everyone was collaborating with each other. We were doing performance art, we're making like physical art, um, just throwing these wild events where everyone was like dressing up in weird costumes and making like the most abstract music. and. It was just so much fun, and I didn't want to leave it uh, right away, but eventually I was like, okay, I can't just stay in Orlando and party all the time and make weird music for the rest of my life, and, you know, because I was basically sleeping on couches at that point. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I, you know, I was just really getting deep into exploration with music, and I, I... you know, I'd finished school and I was kind of jaded by school. I, You know, they were, they kind of sucked the fun out of what I was doing. So I really wanted to try again, you know, I'd like to get back into why I was making music in the first place. But at a certain point, um, I Emerge, um, aka Merge, he's a DMC world champ. Uh, he was this, is this amazing turntablist who's like world champion and uh, he approached me to do a battle record with him and through that whole process of making the battle record and sending him demos for it, he decided he wanted to start a, a record label uh, and I, I kind of helped start it with him essentially. And that's how I ended up getting involved with people like Theophilus London Mm. and Jesse Boykins III and everyone, Um, because he he like saw this potential in me that I could be a producer and like work with artists, and I'd never really had that confidence before, so he he was just kind of like, all right, get your ass up to New York, we're gonna put you to work, and so I did, and I kind of dropped everything and and moved there and. I'm so glad I did. It was one of the best decisions I've ever made.
0: What clicked to you to go to Berlin for a bit?
1: I ended up going to Berlin because even then at the time in like the late 2000s, the U.S. still wasn't on board with electronic music. And if they were, it was more like, I don't know, like Ed Banger Mm. type stuff, which is cool, but it just wasn't what I was doing. But just, you know, like kind of uh, the whole blog house thing or, I don't know, or, or like really cheesy dubstep kind of stuff so I was getting booked all the time in Europe and um, it just made more sense for me to post up there I had a bunch of friends in Berlin I still do Uh, it's a central kind of place in Europe so it's easy to get around it was so cheap at the time still is kind of cheap compared to LA or New York Mm. but yeah it was amazing I'm so glad I did that again it you know it was a opportunity for me to go from that sort of serious pop producer mindset that I was getting into in New York and get back into my experimental roots and that's where I ended up writing Vapor City and um, you know kind of disconnecting from the pop world for a bit which I think ended up being such a a good thing for me. You know, I ended up signing to Ninja Tune at the time and, you know, all these new opportunities rose out of me. Um, I guess not trying so hard to make something that would be, that would would make money, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because anytime I I try really hard to turn my art and my my music into something that's going to pay the bills. If I'm like too active about it, it ends up like watering down the music or it, mm. it's, it's not as satisfying. And then as a result, I don't end up making that much money from it because, you know, it's, it's not real. And so when I just had this period of time where I didn't have to pay much in rent, I could just kind of do whatever I wanted musically... That's when I ended up, like, signing a publishing deal and signing a, a record deal and touring more than I had ever toured in my life. and.
0: How long ago was that, like, a record deal?
1: Uh, I signed with Ninja in 2012 and mm-hmm. then put out uh, Vapor City in 2013. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's about to be a, a five-year yeah. anniversary.
0: How would you say your music has changed since the early songs you made?
1: Um... I think there it's definitely matured um i have a lot better idea of what i'm doing now Uh whereas back then i was just kind of throwing stuff at a wall and seeing if it would stick i didn't really understand any concepts about you know eqing or dynamics or everything that goes into making a, a track like sound professional um so i think i understand a lot of that now i think i've embraced uh, musicianship in my songs a bit more, whereas before I was much more reliant on just programming out stuff, even though I played guitar and played piano, I was like super reliant on just, you know, programming in beats and melodies and stuff. So I think now I'm, you know, super comfortable with sitting down and playing the piano as the first thing that I do when I ride a track and you know I'm, I'm much more comfortable with adding instruments and bringing in musicians to collaborate with me and yeah I, w- I guess that would be
0: mm-hmm. the How biggest would, difference yeah. How do you say you've grown as a person compared to when you were younger?
1: Uh, I have a lot more confidence, have a lot more uh, respect for myself and respect for my music and understanding of you know, what it can do for people, and I think that, you know, that, that has definitely made me a better person, and, you know, I've gotten a lot out of my shell, outside of my shell, and, like, broken out of that whole sort of protective, isolated hermit kind of thing that I grew up in, and, you know, I've become much more social, and, you know, um yeah, I, I, I think... You know, it's just like becoming accepting of of myself a lot more.
0: Mm. What kind of advice do you have for people going through depression or anxiety?
1: I think for anyone going through depression, um, just know that the voice inside your head that's telling you this crap, just, it's not you. Like the, the the voice that is screaming at you all the time, all these like negative thoughts, it has nothing to do with who you actually are. Like w- what, what you are as a person is done through your actions and through the things that you say to other people. So as as you get, you know, more in touch with yourself and block out those thoughts, you're able to, you know, embrace love and embrace other people around you, the people that are bringing you up instead of bringing you down. And, you know, I I found a lot through meditation. Um, I've been able to center myself and deal with a lot of the negative thoughts that come my way and just thoughts in general, just like stressful thoughts or anything that, that I shouldn't be, consuming myself with. I've gotten a lot better at letting those thoughts just pass through me through meditation and so I definitely recommend that. I wish I had gotten into meditation a lot earlier. Mm. Um, I think they should teach it in schools honestly. Uh, I, I feel like it's a you know if you're younger you're definitely more accepting of those kind of things but as you get older you have different kind of misconceptions about things that are outside of your comfort zone and you know we have we're a lot more jaded and um, yeah just just uh, a lot more skeptical and cynical about that kind of stuff so I think if, if if that was taught in schools like I think we would cure depression within like a lot of kids you know and I think especially today like people are constantly looking at their phones and Constantly worrying about what other people think about them online and getting likes and, and shares and all of that. And, you know, it, you can easily lose yourself in all of that by focusing too much on your second self, which is your online self. And mm-hmm. I think it's really important to take a moment and recognize where you're at in this moment and just find yourself at peace with who you are and just don't think about everything else that's going on in the world and just be happy that you're living and you're breathing. And you know, a lot of times I'll wake up in the morning and I'll just go through this whole thought process in my head before the chaos comes in of the world, uh, that I'm thankful that I can see, I'm thankful that I can breathe, that I can hear, that I can touch, that my legs work, that my arms work, that my hands work. Uh, I'm thankful that I have my family. I'm thankful that I have my wife and then it just spreads from there I just start thinking about everything and everyone that I'm thankful for and if I start my day like that It's really hard to bring me down.
0: I love that. Yeah,
1: I think it's I think it's important to Be thankful first thing in the day because otherwise it's really easy to forget a lot of the things that we take for granted
0: What does love mean to you?
1: I think love is an energy. Love is something that surrounds us and connects us. And I think if we do everything with love as the intention, then you will leave, uh, lead a you know a, a very fulfilled life. I think you you'll make everyone around you happier. You'll make yourself happier. You'll your relationships will flourish. You'll become more successful. I think if you do everything out of love, there's you really can't make any mistakes. I mean, you know, of course you'll you may make a bad decision, but then if you've done it out of love, at least you know you can grow out of that.
0: Mhm. What do you love about your wife's personality?
1: I love that Lexi makes me laugh all the time. <laughs> she always anytime she sees me being way too serious she knows exactly how to get me out of my head (laughs) she just like make makes me learn to love life uh by not taking it so seriously all the time and to you know just enjoy every moment and not and to you know not be afraid to be silly and to come up with characters and and accents and <laughs> and all the different things that are just you know just sort of bring joy to our lives and other people's lives and yeah
0: yeah i love that last question what do you want to be remembered for
1: i want to be remembered for insp- inspiring people and healing people through music
0: i love that this is awesome thank you so much yeah of
1: course thank you very much
0: <laughs>